streets. And we will continue with our morning uh, together. Do you know, a couple of people have referenced uh, already the different uh, practices and things they've been learning in our momentum journaling, uh, which is our strategy to try and help uh, get into God's Word on a regular basis. And uh, this last week, we were reading in Hebrews, and uh, we were sending a mailer out, and somehow my Bible got packaged up and sent out with the mailer. So if my Bible comes to your mailbox and it says Brad in it, just let me know, send me an email, and uh, then I'll get it back. Uh, so I switched over to reading my uh, copy of the message translation on Thursday morning. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it uh, talks about this. It talks about uh, how our stories are part of Jesus' story. And it says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way cross, shame, or whatever. And now he's there in heaven in the place of honor right alongside of God. When you find yourselves discouraged in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of things that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so what we're doing this morning is a little bit different than our normal context. We've been working through a series in the book of Romans and teaching from different texts in there. And then we've taken two different approaches on two different mornings. You'll remember, if you were with us early in our series, we did the Stations of the Cross, and we did it as a more uh, visually and artistically oriented emphasis with uh, a lot of music and song and response and worship We've been emphasizing participation in communion together on a very regular basis through the course of our series. And then this morning, we're going to be hearing from people's stories and hearing how their stories have been influenced by their connection with Jesus. And so uh, we have uh, three uh, sets of stories that you'll be hearing this morning. And we're going to start off with Dave and Tammy Smethurst. And Tammy says that she feels like she's reliving English 11. She's very nervous, and so you need to bear with her this morning. She's very prepared though. She's got all of her cue cards and, uh, and she's told me that I'm not allowed to deviate from the questions that I said that I was going to ask her. So that's how we'll approach it together this morning. So um, why don't we start then, Tammy, with you. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your growing up experiences. Did you grow up around here? Uh, what was that like for you and in that family context? Uh, what were the significant things that your experiences with God and with the church in your growing up years? Yeah. No, you're good. Okay. Hi. Um, okay, well, I, um, I grew up in Surrey, so not far from here. And um, I grew up with my mom and dad, and I have one younger brother. And um, it was a Christian home that I grew up in. And um, both sets of grandparents on um, both sides of my family, my dad's parents and my mom's parents, were both Sunday school teachers. My mom grew up in the E-Free Church and my dad in the United Church. And after my parents were married and moved into their house in Surrey just before I was born, it was right across the street from the United Church there. And so I grew up, we just walked across the street every Sunday morning, and that's where I attended Sunday school and youth um, up until we moved when I was in high school. Okay. Dave, tell us a little bit about your experiences. And you, you guys both grew up locally, actually. Uh, yeah, I was actually born in Ontario, uh, Sudbury, Ontario, uh, just after my parents immigrated from England with my older brother. Um, at a very early age, we ended up moving to Richmond, which is where I grew up until about maybe grade six. Um, it was there I had my first experience going to church, uh, me too. It was right across the street from our house. It was a Mennonite church. Uh, that's where I remember uh, attending Sunday school, and I too was one. I went to a summer camp. <laughs> Neat. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey to faith then. What did that look like for you? Um, what were some of the significant markers along the way? Yeah, I just always remember God in my life. I like, um, I think that comes from going to church at an early age and being taught that the Bible uh, and what God is capable of doing. I can't remember a, a significant moment where I, I thought, you know, now I believe in God. I've just always felt God's love. And to me, it's kind of, you know, like the wind. I can't see it, but I can feel it. Mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Mm -hmm. Tammy, tell us a little bit about your journey to faith and what did that look like? Um, well, similar to Dave's, um, I came to faith um, through going to Sunday school um, where I learned about Jesus. And, um, but I think as an adult, it was probably giving birth to my first child. Um, after having her, um, Dave and I started beginning to attend church more regularly again and attending different Bible studies and things like that and becoming more faithful with getting back into God's Word on a daily basis. Um, and there was, um, in your question that you sent me... Yes, please wanted, proceed. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, Sneak it elaborate. In. Go. Um, a particular verse that resonates mm. with me mm -hmm. um, is, <laughs> is Philippians 4.13. Um, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I've been praying that a lot this weekend, having to come <laughs> up and face everyone. Good for you. Um, sometimes when you, when you grow up in a home that influences you towards faith, uh, we feel a little bit like, oh, that story's not very exciting. Um, you know, just there were, there were very smooth transitions. Into boring things. was the Boring, boring I think, was, was the, the word that yeah. you used. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit, about, though, about some of the challenges along the way and some of the difficulties that you've had in your life and experience. Okay. Um, this was kind of a tough question for me because I often feel like I haven't had a lot of really tough challenges. Um, other than dealing with, you know, death of a few loved ones, um, grandparents, um, Dave's dad, I'll let him get to that part when, you, when he takes over here. Um, those were definitely challenging times in my life. Um, but I also find it challenging too, like growing up in a Christian home where I can't, I don't really feel like I've had to face a lot of hardships. Um, I think that's kind of a struggle too because I often feel like I'm waiting like, you're, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for something really bad to happen to me. Um, and so that, with that comes anxiety sometimes. And um, so, yeah, so I'm just learning to be thankful and that, um, that, I'm, that I'm blessed and to take that as there are a lot of blessings in my life that I'm thankful for and I'm thankful that I haven't had a lot of hardship. And... Um, if at some point that does happen to me, that I know where to turn. Mm. And um, another verse um, that I often pray, again, from Philippians is um, 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Mm. And, um, yeah, so when I'm feeling anxious about that, I often pray that prayer. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I want to um, just draw your attention uh, for a minute to something that is maybe a little mysterious for you in your info sheet, and you might think, why in the world do I have two sticky notes in the info sheet that I received when I came in this morning? And one of the reasons that we gave those to you is that there's things that will come up in people's story that you might connect with as a person. Tammy just shared about her experiences of anxiety. Maybe that's something that is also something that you wrestle with in your life. And so what we want you to do with those two sticky notes that we've given you is to keep them out. And then as you listen to the six stories that are told here this morning, we want you to respond in some way to that, either with affirmation and encouragement and say, you know what, I also really struggle with anxiety. I'm going to commit to praying for you or thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, or something that you feel like is that you want to respond in some way. Or a word of affirmation saying, wow, I just want to say, if you're nervous, you can get up there and share this in anxiety. I want to just really affirm that, that you would have the courage to do that. And so those are in your info sheet. And so I'd encourage you to take that out and keep a pen handy uh, right now while you're listening to people's stories. And then we've given you two, and then there'll be a song response also in between every set of stories. And so we have a board at the back. And so already I want you to begin to think of what you're going to be writing down as a response to people's stories. And then after the stories, we'll, you can make your way to the back during the song response, put the sticky note on the back there, and pick up some more sticky notes for the next set of stories that's coming up. All right? So um, I should have explained that to you earlier. When Tammy started talking about anxiety, I could see some of you nodding, so I thought I would just sneak it in there. All right? So sorry for letting me. And you just wanted me to sit up here a little bit For a little bit longer and make you a little more nervous. That's right. <laughs> 
so, um, Dave, tell us a little bit about Tammy. You hinted at it a little bit, some experiences with your dad, some experiences of, of real uh, struggle and some doubt and some, just some challenges that you've been through in your life. And what, what has it meant for you to have a relationship with God as a result of that? Yeah, yeah that was the biggest test for me was when my dad passed away. Um, I didn't take the news very well, as not many people would. But uh, when he was diagnosed with cancer, before that, I don't even remember him having a cold or a flu. Um, he was never sick. Uh, when you get told the outcome for somebody, uh, you know, that you love and you have no control on the situation, it makes it hard to believe. Um, you begin to question everything, or at least I did. Uh, I, I think that's part of God's plan because I, I, I did used to worry about things like that, everyday things, and sometimes they can consume a person. But uh, that experience changed my outlook. It was part of God's plan that through this difficult time to teach me to focus on what was important and less on worrying about things that I can't control. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. And how then, how have you guys been able to support each other in that? How did you guys meet? Um, and then going through some of those experiences, what does that look like to support each other in that? Okay. Um, sorry, Dave's dad always gets me emotional. Um, well, Dave and I met through mutual friends back in high school, so a long time ago. Um, but we didn't start dating until a couple years afterwards. And um, we dated for six and a half years before we were married. And I would just like to say that was an incredibly long six and a half years <laughs> waiting <laughs> for that to happen. But, um, I was yeah. yeah, well, that's up for debate. Um, <laughs> That's why I sat between them, just to make sure we could referee a little bit if it was necessary. So, uh, um, after we were married, um, we moved from Surrey to Langley. Big move. Really far. Um, mainly because the housing prices were cheaper here. And we bought our first home. And then in 2005, we welcomed our oldest daughter, Hannah. And she was followed by Victoria in 2007, along with several cats and dogs along the way. And, um, yeah, we've been here ever since. We're, we still live in our, the first home that we bought just down the hill. And, um, yeah, we like Langley. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you'd like to add or, I, won't, I don't want to say correct, but uh, from the, your perspective, Dave? <laughs> just that she made a wise decision. <laughs> uh, and what are some things that you guys, kind of, Fast forwarding into the present now too, what are some things that you feel like God is teaching you these days? What are some things you've, you feel like you've learned about yourselves and you've learned about God uh, just even in having kids? And then Tammy, you work with uh, kids here at, at Kids at the Ridge very frequently. What do you feel like are some things that you're learning these days? You want to go? I want me to go. I'll, I'll go first because then I'm done first. Um, <laughs> um, I would say... Um, what I've learned with having kids, um, what I've learned about God is definitely patience and grace and unconditional love. Because especially on those days that are challenging, which are frequent in our house, um, I find that when I look back, when I reflect back on the day or a particular situation where maybe I haven't handled it the best way with the kids, my kids, not your kids. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded that God is so patient with me and uh, that he extends so much grace to me. And that's, that's what I need to be modeling and, and showing my own kids. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Dave. Yeah, for me, it's just that uh, God continues to teach us through our kids, um, that he shows us how we can be better, uh, whether it's to be more patient or more forgiving. He just uses everyday life examples to show us how we can get better. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you guys for sharing your story. I made it. <laughs> you made it through. <laughs> and I want to pray for you guys. And I want to, as I pray, on behalf of uh, the church community and the family here, uh, part of our uh, strategy in, in uh, having people share their stories is we're receiving Dave and Tammy into covenant membership here at Jericho Ridge. And so you're part of the family. And so the family takes time to get to know each other and family takes time to get to know and converse with each other. And so I'm going to pray for you guys and some of the things that you've mentioned and ask for uh, God's help with and continued 
um, work in your lives. And I want you as the gathered community to think and ask as I'm praying, how might God have you respond to their story and then write something down on the sticky note as Karen and the team leads us in worship. So let me pray for you guys. God, I want to say uh, thank you for Dave and for Tammy and for your work in their lives, the way in which you have uh, brought them to be in relationship with you and relationship with each other, and the way that you've entrusted them uh, with their two girls to demonstrate your grace so powerfully to them and also to allow them to demonstrate it to their girls. And so, God, we pray that your grace would continue to pour into their lives and that you would continue to strengthen them for everything that you've called them to do. In every environment they find themselves, God, we pray that your grace would accompany them there and that they would be ambassadors of your grace to others as you have given so freely to us. We want to receive that, to live in it, and then to also uh, extend that grace to others around us. And so, God, we thank you for the way in which others did that for them, and we pray they would have courage and faithfulness in doing that in their home and in every place. So thank you, Jesus, for all of these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Let's welcome them and respond. Fun. 
Well, thanks, Kara. I want to uh, encourage you to continue as you are prompted to use those sticky notes that you've been provided with. And if you need a pen, you can either uh, introduce yourself to a neighbor and meet someone, or Herta has some back at the Welcome Center as well. And so you can make your way back there at any time and, and grab a pen and grab some extra sticky notes as well. Well, we want to introduce you uh, to Adam and Susan Drake. And uh, some of you, we got a shout out from the Ferguson family at the back there. Uh, so uh, as Susan also works with Kids at the Ridge upstairs, and so those of you who are parents uh, might be familiar with her. I'm but, good with that age group. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Susan, I want to ask you kind of a similar train of thought as uh, Tammy and Dave, and just ask you, tell us a little bit about your growing up experiences, and what is it that you feel like uh, you learned about God in that context? and in your family as well. Tell us a little bit about your family. Okay, so I grew up in Langley here, and I'm the oldest of six kids. And my mom and dad became Christians um, right before they got married and right before I was born. So it kind of was um, really exciting to have Christian values, brought up with Christian values. So I've known God, and I've loved God, and it's kind of just been ingrained in me. Although I have had my challenges through the years, which I'll share a little bit about after. But so that's kind of my parents were always involved with the church and I had a really good example. Mm -hmm. Tell us uh, a little bit about your experience in coming to faith and what were some of the kind of key moments along that pathway and what were some of the, the key people that influenced you in that decision? Well, I'm sure that... Um, as a child, I said the prayer, and there was something called Friends Puppets that came to our church every summer, and um, I know at some point I did that, but it really didn't mean um, that much to me at that time. Um, I just knew that God was there, and but I didn't have a relationship with him at all. So growing up, I had that disconnect, um, and I just somehow didn't get it put together. And um, I remember some youth workers in my life that were just amazing and really um, just showed me what it was like to have that relationship with God. So I was probably 16 or 17 before that really kind of clicked with me. So. Yeah, yeah. And I know um, you had a bit of a, a history as a couple and working with youth in that age category too and influencing them towards that uh, because of the significance that that was in, in your life. Um, but when you go through those, those seasons then, um, after you're 16, you kind of come to that place of affirmation and commitment in your life. Take us through then since then. What have been some of the experiences where you've said, you know, I made that commitment, but there have been times of challenge and times of doubt in my life and experience. Yeah. You're varying the questions, but okay. <laughs> um, I'm kind of like Tammy, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm good with the little ones, not the older ones. Um, okay, so I guess one of the challenges would have been when Adam and I met. Um, we Don't take that personally. Yeah, don't take that personally. Way, so, uh, um, I was, like I said, I had some great youth workers in my life and um, they were, Showing I me. wasn't one of them. Yeah, no. And uh, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, they were showing me what it was like to live with God, but I just wasn't quite there yet. And um, so I met Adam uh, while I was 17, and he wasn't a Christian. And um, we were working in the mall, and that's how we met. We worked across from each other in the stores and waved hello. He was cute. And um, at that time in my life, I was just looking for fun, and that's kind of what that was all about. And so the challenge was when we got serious. And at, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit that prompted me or someone in my life. I don't really recall what happened. But I remember thinking... Um, what was my future going to be like, and what did I want it to look like, and what, how is God going to play a role in that? So at that point, Adam and I had a discussion about what, what I wanted, and I needed a Christian man and all that stuff, so it was pretty serious, and yeah, I'll kind of let Adam go on that part of the story. But, so that was a challenge, but also a very good thing in, in our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, what about in your own experiences with, with your kids, what do you feel like God is teaching you about him through them? Um, growing up in a, in a family with five other siblings um, can be an interesting experience and a challenge. What do you feel like in, in your home 
and in your own personal walk with God that God's teaching you these days? Mm -hmm. Well, I think for sure my kids are teaching me just simple faith. Um, They're just so eager to learn more and just to know more about God. And they're just so, they eat it up. And they just, it's teaching me that I think I just need to have that faith too. And just easy and simple. And there's another part that I really think is cool, and it's my self-worth and my identity. And so often that we think about our jobs or being a wife or being a mom, and those are those things that define us. But my kids have been teaching me that they can't, they can't give me all the things that I'm looking for. It's God who gives me my identity and gives me my self-worth. So that's huge in my life. And I struggle with that, but it's a really great learning thing too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Susan. We appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Um, Adam, we'll uh, transition over to you, and uh, I, I will not ask you any questions. How's that? I'll just let you go. And How much time do I have? I will <laughs> kick you when it's time to be finished. How's that? Oh, that's good. Um, I didn't grow up in, in Langley. I grew up in, in Ontario, and, and my experience going to church as a kid was to get a sheet signed so I could play hockey. Um, the league I played in had a requirement that you had to get a priest or a pastor to sign your your form four times a year. So it was Christmas, Easter, Good Friday, uh, one other day that, you know, yeah. So that was kind of my experience. But through all that, I actually even went through, uh, um, when I got a little older, my mom made me go to... Uh, confirmation classes so I went through a catechism and things like that and um, I always believed in God I just didn't have that connection where you know God could be a part of my life I saw him kind of up there as possibly some big cosmic meanie to borrow a quote from uh, Bruce Almighty mm-hmm. uh, waiting there just to, to stomp on you when you screwed up so uh, I just had that that problem um, but I always was looking for something bigger than what um, what was in my life because by all intents and purposes, for people looking at me, I had everything. I was a really good athlete in school. I got probably the top grades in my whole school. But, you know, there's that hole missing. So I was always searching for, for what to fill that hole with. And... Uh, Sometimes it was through friends, sometimes it was sports. There was always something that I would immerse myself in to kind of fill what was missing, but um, it, it never ever did it. It would only last so long, and then then you're done. You're on to the next thing. So um, grew up and, and went away to university, and uh, um, while I was there, got introduced to, to some things. Um, my my weekends were always the same. It would be like Thursday night, Friday night, recover Saturday, and and then Sunday back to to getting ready for school. So, um, yeah, it was really tough. But then, you know, you start to grow up, and and I got tired of that. So, I dropped out of school and uh, came out here for a vacation to kind of figure things out. Um, the problem was is that. I liked it too much here, so <laughs> I never went. Um, ended up getting settled, found a job, and as Susan said, it was at uh, at Willowbrook Mall there where we met. And uh, um, I was uh, I was fortunate to to have some good friends at uh, um, at that place, and and we're still really good friends. Um, but a lot of them were fairly godly influences. They were part of Susan's youth group. I ended up doing room and board with one of uh, one of the guys there, and and it opened up a door to a lot of conversations. So we went on from there, and uh, uh, Susan and I met. We we started getting serious, and we had that conversation where, you know, I need a Christian man. So you know, I kind of liked her. So that. Uh, <laughs> that turned up the uh, the pressure a bit, but uh, um, again, I, I was always stumbling with with the fact that I believed in God, but I didn't understand the the relationship part. That uh, that you know, so I thought believing in God was enough. And uh, I met a, a really good guy. He's uh, he's named he's a pastor, and he shared 
all our our important days. He performed our wedding. He's uh, been part of uh, um, dedicating our kids, and and um, I I met the Lord with him in in the office um, at the church down at uh, Langley E V Free, and uh, yeah, so you know that that took it to the next level and. Yeah, it was it was a year after our first uh, our first little chat. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why you put up with that, but anyway, um, yeah. So from there, um, Susan and I have been growing. We uh, um, we've been married almost 15 years now, and uh, it's it's been a good journey. What I've been learning though is that uh, it is a journey. That, that that individual point doesn't mark an arrival. It marks kind of a beginning of, uh, of God's continued refining work in me. And uh, since we've had kids, one of the big things I've learned from that is that uh, you have to think of others first. I'm an only child, and I'm used to getting my own way, but kids don't, uh, don't permit that. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of the big thing right now. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to somebody who says, you know, Adam, I'm kind of like uh, in the same position that you're in. I think I believe in God. Uh, is there anything else that I would need to do beyond that? Is that sufficient? Is that, I mean... Well, I, I think what you have to do is really recognize that uh, it's kind of appropriate that it's Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that Christ is there for you, that he's, he's looked after all the, the shortcomings you've had and that uh, he's reconciled you to God because God can't, can't live with people who are sinning and who just aren't, aren't making it. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know how to put it any plainer but, mm. um, or in, in not-so-Christian terms. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. that's a big thing. Sounds to me like you've had two uh, DTR, define the relationship conversations in your life. One with Susan, uh, where she kind of said, all right, let's define this relationship. And then the other one with God, where you said, okay, let's, let's define this relationship a little bit more specifically, uh, other than just I believe in you generally. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the text in Hebrews says... Um, the person that comes to God must believe that God exists, but then it actually keeps going from there and says yeah. that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, so it's not just sufficient, actually. That's only part one, believe that God exists, that yeah. God actually is a responder to those whose hearts are inclined towards him and who say, you know what, God, I need you in my life. And, and so I'm so excited that you guys are a part of uh, the community here at Jericho Ridge to be a part of the mission that God's called us to, to do that in, in the community and in the lives of young people and children and all of the different venues in which you find yourself. So we want to, uh, again, pray for you guys and just remind you to respond in some significant ways. And you may want to write that down and just put it back uh, on, the, on the board back there, something that God spoke to you about or an encouragement that you want to pass on to Susan and to Adam. And so let's pray together. God, we just say thank you uh, for the way in which you have come so close to us, that you are a personal God, that you are a God who wants to be in relationship with us. And not just uh, a God who is distant, who's out there, who's waiting to kind of um, stomp down on us in, in some way when we do something wrong, but God, we thank you that through Jesus and through the cross, and through the message of Easter and the hope of resurrection and life, that you have come near to us, God, and we are invited to respond to you. And I thank you that Adam and Susan have done that at different moments in their life. And so, God, I I pray that you would give them strength and courage and wisdom to declare that in the various arenas of life that they find themselves in, whether it's on the hockey rink or whether it's in their home or in uh, workplace environments. Uh, God, we thank you that you have called them to this place, and you've called us together to be on mission with you. And so we say thank you for that, and we bless and affirm them as members and covenant members here in this community. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for welcoming us.
filling up with comments and prayers, and so we thank you for that. And we have two more stories that we'd like to share with you this morning, and one is from Kara Lung, who's been leading us in music, and her husband Howard as well. So um, again, if, if you'd like more sticky notes, you can make your way to the back and get a refresher on that, and write down even questions that you may have that you can then continue in conversation with the people who have shared their stories. Uh, instead of doing an interview format this time, Howard and Kara are just going to plow right on through. So make sure that you are quick, and I will just uh, remain silent throughout it. And uh, we'll, we'll hear from, from both. We're going to begin with Kara. We have three minutes. So um, this is going to be 
quick. <laughs> Kara, start us off, please. Um, is this on? Yeah. Hello? Okay. Okay, so I grew up in a Christian home, much like many of the others that have shared. Um, my parents loved each other, and they loved us, my three siblings and I, very much. Um, and they were pretty, um, weren't afraid to show that. And that had a big impact, has had a big impact on my life. Um, when I was four years old, I remember kneeling with my mom at my bed and praying and asking Jesus into my heart. And then we lived on a little cul-de-sac. And afterwards, I ran out and told all of my neighbors because I was so excited um, that Jesus was in my heart. And I'm grateful for that moment and that I remember that. Um, it's probably one of my very first memories. Um, and I truly believe that God heard <laughs> my that little my the prayer of my little girl's heart, but um, yeah, <laughs> the journey had just begun, <laughs> and it's been long and arduous at times, I guess. Um, so shortly after that experience, my parents became pastors and pastored for six years, and um, and then after that moved to Sweden for five years. Um, where they worked with youth with a mission. And so I was a um, pastor's kid and a missionary kid, and I was born with a um, personality that was naturally a people pleaser. And <laughs> my parents didn't put pressure on me, but I, I think being in that role as pastor's kid and missionary kid um, and having that personality was, um, at an early age, I felt pressure to, to be perfect. And... Um, my years in Sweden, they had a very profound influence on my faith because I lived on a missions base where I was surrounded by Christians and had good um, Christian teaching, but mainly because I became part of a close, really close-knit church that um, provided many weekly opportunities for fellowship and with other believers and constant challenge to go deeper with God, which was great. Um, and though, But though my church family became really close, it... Um, really proved to be very legalistic as well. And, and so as a, a young girl, I was struggling really to make sense of the differences that I saw in the way my parents lived out my, their faith and what my church, the way my friends at church um, did and what they said was um, okay and not okay. And um, I, was, I, I was scared of being judged, of articulating the struggle to, to my church family. So... Um, I, my faith became one that was really characterized by doing all the right things in order to convince my church family that I was indeed saved. And, and then the, um, so the next many years of my life, I was plagued with this fear that I wasn't indeed saved or that I, um, or I was afraid that I could lose my salvation. And, um, and yeah, at the end of those five years, we moved back to the States and I was, again, in a position, I wasn't a pastor's kid, or, well, I had that history, I wasn't the pastor's kid or missionary kid anymore, but everybody expected me to, you know, lead, be, be in leadership in the youth group, and I just had these pressures that I placed on myself, and that I felt like were there externally, and, um, and so, yeah, the pressure, I, I hope I'm, the pressure's building. That's what I'm trying to say on myself. And, and I became involved, more involved in sports. And, and I excelled, kind of like Adam was saying, I excelled in academics and sports. And so there was pressure there too. And my worth and value was coming from being this perfect Christian girl and the perfect athlete and the perfect scholar and everything. And um, again, like it wasn't pressure from my family, but I, I, I assumed that people put that pressure on me. So, um, so during my younger years and throughout college, I went on several missions trips, and I, I served God faithfully and religiously spent time with him. And, um, but it wasn't until, yeah, it took a major crisis in my life for me to finally come to a point where I was able to really accept God's grace for me. I knew all about God's grace and love, but I didn't... Um, yeah, I wasn't letting it transform me. Um, and let's see, where am I at? <laughs> As I look back, I can see how God was sort of setting me up for this grace encounter, preparing my heart through relationships and books and experiences and opening my eyes to my desperate state. 
And yeah, that's, that was a big thing too, because I really hadn't done anything big wrong. So um, I didn't, I don't think I realized, even though I was struggling, <laughs> I, I didn't realize how desperately I was in need of a savior. Um, and in December of 1999, I was two thirds of the way through my master's in teaching. And I was, uh, I had about six years earlier, um, my way of coping with all the pressure was um, through binging and purging. And so, I, yeah, I was bulimic. I didn't think I was for many years, but I was. And at that point in 99, I was really hanging on to life by a thread. And I was confused who I, about who I really was. And through the grace of God and, and just some wonderful friends, um, I was able to quit my master's program, which was a a big, a hard thing for me <laughs> because I didn't come from a family of quitters. And <laughs> so, um, but thankfully, um, they were more concerned, and my family was too, about my life than getting another degree. Um, and so I ended up in, in treatment. Um, let's see. Maybe I should just stick to my script. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I realized that I'd been living the life, Christian life um, exactly as I thought it was to be lived, doing and saying all the right things, but I was no longer sure if what I was doing was based on conviction and love or on the ex expectations I had of myself and I thought others had of me. So I arrived at treatment and literally had um, come to the end of myself, and I just laid it all out before God, and I told him that I couldn't keep doing what I'd been doing because I, I really didn't know if <laughs> I was doing what I was supposed to be doing or if I actually believed what I said I believed. Um, I remember sitting through chapel services and I couldn't, I couldn't lift my hands. I couldn't close my eyes and pray. I just had to be there. And I, I just, I couldn't do anything that I didn't know was true <laughs> coming from my heart. I knew what I was supposed to do, but um, I couldn't just do those things. And one evening I was sitting out watching the sunset and I felt as if God um, just wrapped his arms around me and said, Kara, I love you as you are, even if you never change. And that was a huge, it wasn't an audible voice, but um, I left that log with a profound peace. And, um, and really the, <laughs> that was kind of the impetus that helped me to start, start changing and start, um, yeah, recovering from my addiction too, um, because I had been trying for years and years to do it on my own, and I was not successful. Um, but and I was quite convinced that God wasn't pleased with me. But just that deep conviction that He loved me no matter what mm -hmm. um, really gave me the freedom to to start changing, and um, yeah, gave me a new new start. So. Recovering from an addiction, it's been a journey. It didn't just happen over, overnight, although, I mean, I believe God heals people in an instant, but that hasn't been the case for me, um, which has probably been good because I probably would have been really proud <laughs> if I was just all fixed and better. Um, but instead, God has allowed it to be a journey. Um, and, yeah, what, the, what that um, encounter with his grace has has done is really shifted my view on myself and life and and people and even though the way i express my christian faith in terms of service and worship and devotion doesn't look that much different the motivation um for why i do what i do is completely different i'm not motivated by guilt and fear or obligation but instead of a instead a sense of awe and, and gratitude for the gift that God has freely given to me. And, um, yeah, that has been a good, even just last week, um, Brad reminded us of, of just that encounter with grace. And, yeah, it continues to be something that I need to be reminded of. Um, yeah, I think that's, well... I haven't included Howard in my story at all, but... <laughs> I was going to ask about Howard. He, he, he does show up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and he really was a gift of grace. And so seven years after treatment, what, by the grace of God, too, when, once I left treatment, 
I went home to my parents' house in Chehalis for a little, where I had planned to stay three months and um, ended up being there for about nine years, <laughs> not in their home. <laughs> but, um, but God used this little country church um, to, with, people, with the motto that was um, living and teaching the truth of God's grace um, and pastors that just really came alongside of me and mentored me and just used that place to, um, it was a, there was a lot of brokenness in the little church that I had been in as a younger kid and, and to bring, to use another little church to bring a lot of healing was pretty cool. But it was seven years later that I finally decided that maybe I'd life as maybe I didn't want to be single my entire life. And I knew that, um, yeah, Hicksville, USA was not where I wanted to find a husband. So that's where Howard comes in. <laughs> and I'll let yeah, him go from there. How much time do we have? <laughs> We're already out. Well, why don't you, why don't you begin by, by sharing your story, because it's quite different from Karis. And then uh, certainly we can come back to Sorry. how the two of you met sure. and how that's shaped each of your lives in, um, in your spiritual walk as well. Well, I did not grow up in a Christian family. Uh, my family grew up, uh, we lived in Taiwan until I was 15. We immigrated uh, to Canada in 1993, and none of my family um, well, are Christians. I mean, I'm still the only one. Uh, I didn't move out of my parents' place until I got married, and it was only three years ago. <laughs> and um, what else? Now, my, growing up, my only impression or knowledge of Christianity was this little church. It was kind of really dark. Uh, I think there's actually a gate in front of the door, and I passed by it every morning uh, on my way to the bus stop to get to new elementary school. Um, that was about it. I, I think it was pretty scary, and people there cried and wailed a lot. <laughs> um, now, I need to take a division here. God has been pressing on my heart this morning. Um, and this is not something I realized until years after I became a Christian. There was one other encounter with God when I was still in Taiwan, and uh, that was actually, uh, now it, he somehow got to me without there being anyone to tell me about it. Uh, we lived in, on, on the fourth floor of an apartment building, and we had the, 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 um, the top of the building to ourselves, so my parents had this rooftop garden. And my father, uh, he's a handyman, he, he, he put this uh, water pump so we can actually water very effectively. Now, I must have been uh, 12 or 13 at a time, and my family were out, and I would just play, you know, in the rooftop garden. And I was very uh, curious and um, mesmerized, with, mesmerized with physics at a time, I would actually aim the the spring, the sprinkle, uh, what do you call it, the hose, and I would actually time the people who are passing by <laughs> um, scooters, and I would spray them. <laughs> um, and, of course, there was a rooftop garden, so it's lots of foliage, so I would actually camouflage myself with this <laughs> Viacon rice paddy hat, so I could actually see them. <laughs> well, this, this time, I got this guy, and he actually stopped, and he looked up, and I thought, well, he can't spot me, but he did. And he actually walked around the building and started, you know, pressing on the, the buzzer. So at this point, I was panicking because my parents, they are coming back home soon, and he just kept pushing on the buzzer, and he wouldn't leave. So I was panicking, and at this moment, I... I don't know why or how, I actually prayed, God, <laughs> if you can get me out of this, I will believe that you exist. Now, you have to realize that the context, the cultural context is that it's, it's, it's a very pagan and superstitious place. So I had no concept of God as a single person. Um, and somehow, uh, my parents didn't find out. <laughs> So I won't tell him this week either. No, <laughs> probably never found out. So, but it was not until seven or eight years later that um, I became a Christian. So he got me in the end. I never talk about this in public, so I think I've just confessed it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, God somehow made Himself known, and there, He was there in my life, and there was sin, 
in my life that still is. Yeah. So um, once we moved to, to Canada, it was a really confusing time. Uh, my father served in the Taiwanese Air Force, and in, in Taiwan for a long time, really was uh, there was a lot of brainwashing going on. Of course, you know some of you know that uh, the nationalist government lost the war and was pushed to Taiwan. So all that. All days when I was uh, in school, they would teach me how communist China, they're evil, and uh, they're terrible. You need to be patriotic and be royal, uh, loyal to, 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 to nationalists in Taiwan. And so once I came here, I learned the other side of the story, 50 years of missing history that I've learned in school. So I was very much in, in conflict. Um, my upbringing is very much Confucian. Um, where loyalty to one's uh, country is the most important thing. And coming here, um, I was discovering that, and I, I also tried my best to fit into Canadian society. I got myself an ESL within a year and studied hard to get into a university program. I joined the Canadian Armed Forces Reserves just to experience a different side of Canadian society beyond that can be experienced in an east side, um, heavily um, Asian high school. Um, I... Joined, I was uh, part of a fraternity in in in, uh, in university. So I think all these experiences, the common factor was um, all these groups, countries, uh, fraternity, armed forces, whatever. They all want your allegiance for something. I remember having to swear allegiance to the queen <laughs> when I when I signed up. <laughs> I'm thinking well, I don't even know this person. <laughs> so huge missing. You know, gaps of you know, hit background knowledge, and yet I'm I'm constantly being asked for my allegiance. Um, and it was actually in university that got really got my attention. I was studying, uh, I would take, was taking a philosophy survey course, and was studying the problem of God. That really got my attention because I noticed after the course ended that we didn't actually get to any answers. They just studied the problem. You know, if he's all good and all powerful, how come there's evil and that sort of thing? So, I. I got interested and I studied, um, I did some further research because at the time I figured uh, $450 for a course, I, I really want to have something that's useful or at least some answer. <laughs> so I kept studying and I, I came to the, the writing of this British philosopher who basically admitted that philosophy is a human instrument, can't answer that sort of question. And by that point, I, w I was mad because... <laughs> You should actually have put that disclaimer, you know, before you have a course <laughs> that you cannot answer these sort of questions. So logically, I went to the church because I decided I was in this too deep. I, I want to find out. And it was there I actually was introduced to Christians living in the community. They were studying Bibles, uh, studying the Bible every, uh, every week. And I should get to see them interacting uh, in the community. Now, that was amazing because... As opposed to the fragmenting uh, groups, they're all yearning for our allegiance, you know, and you can see that in society, um, you know, every day. I see a group of people who are so consistent in their belief, so consistent in their devotion. I mean, they're not perfect, but they're devoted to this invisible God. I saw that there was something different. I, I, I knew I had found a gym. So it was really through that Bible study and the living community that I came to, to believe in, in God, you know, and it, was, it happened very imperceptibly. I just started internalizing, um, you know, uh, prin uh, principles, uh, doctrines, and I started use, including myself uh, when we're talking about Christians. So some of my uh, cell, cell group mates pointed that out. And uh, I decided to, to be baptized and uh, to pray the prayer and become a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I think the beginning of my journey was very much intellectual. God got my attention that way. But remember the sin part. You know, he, he dealt with me later on. It was about three or four years later uh, that he decided to go on a short-term mission trip. And it was there that he really showed, revealed to me that I, I had a very prickly, uh, self-focused uh, perfectionistic and uh, really antagonizing personality and <laughs> that's quite a list <laughs> yeah my my short-term mission mates banded together and told me about that <laughs> hopefully that was towards the end of the trip and not the beginning huh? uh, yeah well 
it wasn't in the middle of the trip, so I had to work hard. <laughs> and that was when I realized, oh, I, I can't, it, this is not just an intellectual deal. I can't just, you know, it's not just that I agree with what God says. I actually need him. And, and it was also when I realized, wow, he called me out to the middle of uh, First Nations Reserve, um, not just so that I can do great works, you know, achieve amazing things for him. And it was very important, you know, I had to achieve, you know, that's, that's part of my cultural background. He called me out there just to deal with me and to show that I'm worth the time and the effort uh, to, to be won over, to, to, to be dealt with. And that's when I realized, oh, um, I have a great need for him and he's amazing. His love is, his grace really is amazing. Um, so I think that's really uh, a multiple, multiple year process when I come to, to know the Lord. So <laughs> well, hopefully the, I'm not as prickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, both of you have spoken about the grace of God and how you continually are reminded of it and shown how that then transforms your life. Uh, you had mentioned how the two of you met, and um, both of you actually have experiences in mission and learned yesterday when I was talking with you that your drive and interest in serving God overseas in some sort of mission context is something that was a similar interest and attracted you guys to each other. Uh, and so we, we want to take this opportunity as a, the, the community of church to, to let you know that next week, beginning Monday night, is that correct? I think the day after Easter, so Easter Monday evening, they're going to be being part of MB Missions um, Spring Adventure, which is a one-week kind of orientation and explanation of what it means like what it means to partner with MB Mission and then go from there. So do you want to provide any other context for what you'll be learning next week, how we can pray for you and, and what that looks like? Um, well we're yeah really it's gonna be a week of discerning what's next for us and whether we um, fit with the other the other potential candidates and with the organization and if that is what God wants for us um, then we'd be starting this fall training um, so just yeah prayer for wisdom and discernment and um, we're really grateful that that's a process that we don't have to do on our own that mm -hmm. that MB mission really comes alongside you and um, it's a joint effort so yeah praying for that absolutely great. well we'd love to support you in prayer and um kara also as you may be aware of is pregnant and so they're expecting their second child in june so in the course of just a couple of months uh the potential for a lot of life change in their family as far as work and and growth in the family and potentially uh teammates and, and moving on to another context to serve god is all possibilities um, so from, from where you're at, if, if you can be in the spirit of prayer as well, and then there'll certainly be opportunities to, to follow up with Howard and Kara and find out um, how you can specifically support them during this discernment process. So Lord, we want to begin our prayer by thanking you for your faithfulness in each of their lives. Lord, two very different stories from how they began. And yet thankfully we can rejoice, Lord, that your grace prevailed and that they have come to know your salvation, and to live that life of freedom. And so, God, I, I continue to pray that, that you would refine them, that they would become more Christ-like in their devotion to you. And, Lord, as they prepare to, to go to spring adventure and they begin the discernment process, Lord, I ask that you would provide them with clarity, as well as their potential teammates and, and those in leadership with, with MB Mission. Help them know where is the best place for them to go where you can most effectively use them and their gifts. Uh, help them know more about the organization and the fit for that. And Lord, we just ask that you would give them agreement and that you would be gracious in uh, delivering that to them. So Lord, thank you so much for our brother and our sister, and, and we pray that you would continue to bless them with your guidance and direction. Amen. Well, we want to conclude this morning with one final song of dedication and so if you would join us in standing up we can uh, sing our thanks to God and celebrate the stories that God has entrusted to us by the six people who have shared and if you have more things that you would like to share to them you can certainly post up sticky notes on the back 
or speak to them after we're concluding here. So we're going to sing one final song, and let's rejoice over God's faithfulness in our lives.